Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Now today I want to share with you a message from the Word of God. And I'm going to invite you now to go with me to the book of Genesis. The Genesis story. The word Genesis. And if you look at the, t- the three first letter, it sounds like you're saying gene. And so that's what it is. It is the gene, the genealogy of the human race. And the gene is that special thing that makes us different. So here we go to the book of Genesis chapter 21. Yes. And let's go to verse 9. It says, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. So the son was mocking the other son. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bond woman and her son, for the son of this bond woman shall not be here with my son even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy thy bondwoman in all that Sarah has said unto thee. Hearken unto her voice, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall be thy seed, or the seed that is called. And also the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent, meaning that it ran out in the bottle. And she cast the child under one of the shrubs, one under the tree. And she went and sat her down over against a good way off. As it were a bullshot, a small distance away. For she said, let me not see the death of this child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. Today I want to talk to you. About the story of a broken mother, the burden of the bondwoman. Uh, many times, when you have your women ministries day, you, you don't invite your pastor to preach sometimes. When you have your men's day, You don't invite your pastor to preach because you need a guest speaker. Today, I want to speak 
to the men and the women here in this congregation. I am speaking to everyone, but the message is especially for the men and the women here today. Let us pray. Dear God and our Father, we want to thank you for making us in your image after your likeness. We want to thank you, O God, for your love and your mercies. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. We just want to thank you for the way you look after us. We want to thank you for being different from us. At the same time, we are like you. So bless this message to our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name. Now, the Bible is a book of hope. What did I say? The Bible is a book of hope. It is filled with stories of love. Stories of power. Stories of faith. Stories of forgiveness. And they are glorious stories. It is a book with a message of grace. A message of peace. A message of salvation. It is also a book that gives us the message of redemption. And in this book, the Bible, you find the marvelous, much less miracles of Jesus Christ. Yet, the Bible is a book filled with seeming impossibilities and hopelessness or hopeless situations. In many of these stories that we read in the Bible, there seem to be no solution and no way out from the human standpoint. We see storms that threaten the lives of innocent people and we are helpless. We encounter needs that seem to outstrip the human resources. We face death that seem so gruesome and so inhumane. We experience sickness that are so devastating that it threatens to wipe out entire neighborhood. There are many other problems appearing in the Bible that to the human mind are impossible and hopeless. But if we read a little more, we see that time after time, these impossibilities, these hopeless situations are handled with such ease by the sovereign God. And that is why he is God. Now, one of these stories is in the text that I have read for you today. So, let's look into this passage. And we are going to see situation here that is seemingly hopeless. Now, it begins here with a family. And every one of us here belongs to a family. So here it is a family. Now, when the, the head of this family is a man that we call Abraham. Now, when the name Abraham comes to your mind, what do you think of? What are some of the things that you think of when you think of Abraham? Anybody? I mean, you can talk. 
Uh, you, you, uh, the pastor never usually gives you a chance to speak at this point. He always he does all the speaking. But you can, you can talk. When Abraham, when you hear the name Abraham, what comes to your mind? Faithful. Faithful. Yeah, that's right. Anything else? Friend of God. Anything else? Called by God. Anything else? Pardon me? Father of Isaac. Very good. Anything else? Great nation. Now, these are wonderful things about Abraham. Now, I want you to bear these things in mind that you've just heard as we go through the story today. Now, here the story opens in the home of Abraham. Abraham may have been the father of the faithful. But he has made some grave and gruesome mistakes. Are you? So most times as preachers when we preach about Abraham. We preach about those things that you have talked about. I'm not going to preach about those things today. But I want you to bear them in mind. Now. He. He never managed his family very well. He had a very serious problem in managing his family. And his life has a very serious blot on it. Because of the way he treated his first son and his mother. So his family, life at some point was a great disaster. Great disaster. Now, the story in our text for today highlights man's predicament and God's prescription. It underlines man's sinfulness and God's solution. It underscores man's dilemma and God's deliverance. Now let us look into this passage that details a hopeless situation in the life of a woman. By the name of Hagar. The name Hagar means El Reo. El in the Hebrew is God, singular. Elohim is plural, but El is God, singular. So El Reo really means God sees. And that's very important. That even in the, gross, the, the greatest difficulty of our lives and the challenges that we go through, God sees. Then she has a son. Her baby son, Ishmael. And in the Hebrew, the name means God. Who hears. So when you combine both together. It's interesting. That God not only sees. But he hears. Now the background to the story. Brings us into the lives of Abraham. First of all and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah. Believed God's promise. That they would have. A son. Together. A child. So they got. Well Abraham was very old. And uh, Sarah. Had passed menopause. Many years before. 
And you know that when menopause sets in, unless it's a miracle, you can't have a baby again. So here is that they couldn't have any children, but yet God came down and told them that they were going to have a child. Now, if I were in their place, I, I would laugh at God. Because it, it was totally impossible. Totally impossible. But Abraham and his wife Sarah decided that they were going to help out God. Never try to help out God. Because any time you try to help out God, you are going to run in serious trouble. God does not want you to help him out. And I've seen many times in the church where people try to help out God. By prescribe what they think the church should do. God does not need that. So don't try to help him out. If you do that, you are going to create a situation that is going to overwhelm you. But thank God. God is there. So he's not going to allow us to destroy his church. Is that clear? Beautiful. So here it is now. That Abraham. And his wife decided that they were going to help God. So they got the maid Hagar. To. Procreate. With Abraham. In other words. Sarah. And Abraham came together so that Abraham could commit adultery to help God. That was serious business. So here it is now that the child is born. And then God now decided that he is going to do his thing. For remember now that your thing can't substitute for God's thing. So God comes in now and he does his thing. And the child is born. Misery set in. The family is turned upside down. Because jealousy comes in. So... After a while, Ishmael began to mock his brother, and there was a, a jealousy. Yes, and bitterness, and it was clear. There was, there was no room for the two to begin to continue to live together. So Agar had to leave with her son Ishmael. If Abraham and Sarah had trusted God to truly make them parents of a great nation, they would have prevented this great dilemma. Also jealousy. Never has a place. In marriage. In family life. Sibling rivalry. And destructive behavior. That follows. Relationship between husbands and wives. And sometimes between friends and co-workers. Can be. Very damaging and dangerous. And by the way, let me say to the men here who are married. That you must take good care of your wives. You know, I usually take good care of my wife. But I never really, really, really understood the, the implication. Or the impact. Or you know. I would just be nice. Until I, had, I got sick. 
and I had surgery. And for days after I came home from the hospital, I couldn't, I, I fell down from a ladder and almost broke my arm. And so when I got home, I couldn't do anything. I, and so my wife had to take off my clothes and put on whatever she wanted to put on on me. And she had to, you know, do all the other things. And then I was just there. And uh, I said to myself, you know, from that time I said, I'm going to do a little more than I used to do. Because you never, you never can tell. You never know where you're going to be. And so my wife took so good care of me when I was sick that I got very used to it. And, and started to depend on it now. And then one day she came up and said, well, you know, listen, it's time for you to help yourself. <laughs> you know, you must help yourself. So I, I learned that it is very important to take care of those who are in our lives. Take care of them. So here it is that Abraham, and Sarah, they decided to help out God. Now, according to Genesis chapter 16, it says here, the family arrangement created serious trouble for Abraham and Sarah. Also for Hagar and Ishmael. Sarah was jealous of Hagar and her, and her, and her son, Hagar was jealous of Sarah and her relationship with Abraham. For after all, she said, I'm just imagining now, I am the one who gave him the first child. Therefore, I will not take second place. So, she started now to upset the applicant. Thank you for that. And the whole fruit basket turned over. What a dilemma. But listen to me now. There were three adults in all of this. How many adults? Two women and a man. Am I right? And the children were in between all of this. Do you think they were hearing? Do you think they were seeing? Was it good for them? No. But remember now you know. That Abraham. Remember all those nice things that you said about Abraham? Very good. Very good. Now. Sarah. Was jealous of Agar. And her baby. And Agar was jealous of Sarah. But then now. I wonder how Abraham was thinking. He must have been confused. Poor Abraham was caught in the middle of trying to please two women under the same roof with your two children. That's an impossibility. Great impossibility. If I knew women well. It doesn't work. As a matter of fact, one woman could be living in Port St. Lucie and one living in Key West where they don't live in the same room, in the same house, and it still can't work. Can you imagine now that both women live in the same house? How does that work? Listen to me now. Don't try to help out God. You create more problem more than what you solve. Now Abraham was trapped in a terrible situation of his own invention. 
He was severely stressed emotionally. He was worn out. He went to bed one night and could sleep. As a matter of fact, that was not the only night. Several nights he couldn't sleep. He had to find a way out. But he couldn't send away Sarah and her son. So, what did he do? In Genesis chapter 21 and verse 14, in the New Living Translation, it says, So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulder. Now Abraham was a man who had horses and donkeys and camels. But he strapped on the Lord and Hagar's back. Lots of food and water. Then he sent her away with their son and she as and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. Abraham gave her just enough supply for a journey to the next well. He did not send them away with a caravan of supply. Just food enough to carry on her back. How cruel this was. Abraham really treated that woman very badly. And if she was alone, it wouldn't be as bad. Now, how does he expect her to survive in the desert? Desert. He doesn't give her a plan on what she can do, but hopelessly he told her how to get to the next well. The tension and the emotion in the ear must have been very thick. What was going on in Agar's mind? If you were here. I'm, I want one of you ladies here. Think about it. This man that you work for you got pregnant for him. You have his child. And now you have to leave with your 13 year old son. Just beginning years puberty. And you're going with that bag on your shoulder. Are you looking back? Are you wondering? Are you in a daze? What does the future hold for you? And so. She left. And as I said before. According to the calculation, uh, biblical scholars believe that he was between 12 and 13, Ishmael. Agar is now a homeless single mom with no resources in a very hopeless situation. And there is no women's shelter for her to go. Like 
so many refugees today. She has been through a conflict that has led to her being deprived of a husband with devastating results. Now you are walking through the wilderness. The desert rather. The desert is usually a place with sand. And the sand uh, is so hard to walk in the sand. Because every time you step in the sand it moves. And you are on your way. She heads in the general direction of her old home because she came from Egypt. From Egypt. But sure enough, you know, today she left her home so long that she never even knew how to, to go back home. Today it wouldn't be so bad for her because she would have a GPS. And she would put in the address. And even GPS take you to the wrong place sometimes. Yes. But when, when she was traveling in her way, the Bible says that when the water was gone, she put the boy in a shade or under a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a yard or two away. And this is what she says. I do not want to watch the boy die. She said as she burst into tears. That must be a terrible experience. A hard situation to be in. But at the same time, I wonder what was going through Abraham's mind. You know, perhaps Ishmael is thinking of the fun he had with his smaller brother when they were at home. And uh, he probably might have been wise enough to understand that because of his mocking, they are now in the situation that they are in. Yes. But of course, all laughter ceases. All cynicism is quiet. It's gone. He begins to cry out to God. Ishmael begins to cry out to God. And in Genesis chapter 21 and verse 17 it says. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar. What's wrong? And I think that God here, you know, was from, from, from a very, from a human point of view, God here was a little bit insensitive. Yeah. For you know the woman's problem, and you know what was the situation, and you ask, you know, what is wrong. But God did what was wrong by asking her. So forget about the insensitivity. God here was asking her the question so that she can internalize the question to come up with the answer so she can know exactly what is happening to her. And then God said something to Hagar. God says, do not be afraid. I want to ask you, women, what's going on in your life now? What are some of the things that seem hopeless unless God intervenes? Are you afraid? Are you worried? 
Are you stressed out? What's happening in your life? How is your own situation? Whatever it is, here God from heaven is calling your name today. And he is asking you about that thing that's going on in your life. And then he says to you, don't be afraid. God has heard the boy's cry and also heard his, his mother's cry. Yes. Yes. God always knows what is wrong, as in the case of Hagar, but he wanted Hagar to articulate to him what she was feeling in her situation, to talk a little about it. God's intervention into, into my circumstances is often very activated by my own confession and my own understanding of what is happening in my life. So God asked, what is wrong? Then he said, now that you have expressed what is wrong, he says, don't be afraid. Speak to me. That's what it means. Trust me. It is a good policy just to keep speaking to God. Talk to him. And he will help you to work it out. You know. Here it is. That Agar was on her way. Her son was dying. Without God's intervention he would be dead but all of a sudden the voice of God the presence of God the power of God the intervention of God makes the difference I say to you today Trust God. Sometimes you find yourselves in some situations that you never created them. Or you probably were naive in the first place. Yes. And uh, sometimes it seems as if God is so far away and you are going to die. But then when God calls, and when he comes, he comes with the right solution. He comes with the appropriate medication. And so here in Genesis chapter 21, 18 to 19, Hagar is sent to encourage her son Ishmael with the word of life and practical help. Yes. Verse 16. There was pain. Life is full of pain. Life is full of difficulties. Hagar's heart is broken. She is sure Ishmael is going to die. She leaves him under a bush. She goes away because she does not want to witness the death of her son. Yes. And, and the, 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 the King James Version uses the word bow shot. It really means about a thousand feet. It's a distance. Hagar leaves Ishmael here and she goes off to weep. Sometimes you have to go by yourself and weep. Weep. Take the time to go and cry. Men don't want to cry. That's why women live longer than men sometimes. Yes. 
men allowed emotion to pent up inside. And then, you know, I remember when, when I, when I, uh, when I, you know, I always remember my stories when I was growing up. My, we, we reared goats. We had some lovely goats. And we, I, I grew up milking goats. I drank a lot of goat milk. And one day, I went, I milked a goat. But we always put the milk on the fire. You scald the milk. Am I right? Good, good. Yeah. Nowadays, they call it pasteurization. But we scald, we scald it. So this was what happened. My, my mother used to buy this, this tin of Milo's. This Milo in the tin. And I, I was a little boy and I'm scalding my milk outside and the fire outside. Because I had our fire outside. You have your fire in your house. But I had, we have our outside. We never want to burn down the house. So we had our fire <laughs> outside. You guys have yours in yours. You can burn on yours, but our fire was outside. So I put this Milo can with milk and the fire. And I didn't want it to boil over, so I... <laughs> and when the, when the fire started to blaze... Because we had good wood. Good wood we had. La good. It's good wood we had. And then the thing started to boil up. And I was going over it now to take it off. And I just heard an explosion. And the milk blew up. The cover went off. And when I told my mother what happened, she said, boy, you, was, you, were, you were lucky. She didn't say you were lucky. She said, boy, you was lucky. Thank God I can say you were. Because she sent me to school. But, you know, uh, as I think about that, And, ma and man's behavior, the way ma men behave. Men have more strokes more than women. Because they believe that they can solve all the problems in the world. So some of you don't go to the doctor. Because if any little thing you can fix it. You have problem in your relationship. And I've had men who said to me, Pastor, I don't want any other man to come and fix my problem. Then there are those of us who spend a lot of our time learning how to help you to fix your problem. But you don't want that because you have what we call the male ego that governs you. So you always believe that you're in charge. Some of you don't even want, don't know how to manage money. And you have your wife who can manage it well, but they must manage it because they are women. And you go on with your life and uh, it's boiling up inside, boiling up inside, until one day it explodes. And after it explodes, you are neither here nor there. So you must learn to talk. Talk about the pain that you feel. Don't be afraid to talk about it. And one of the challenges that I have as I work with people in churches and talk to men and women, you know that there are some men who underdevelop women the way they treat them. And I would say to you women here today, don't let anybody at all 
No man treat you a second class person. I'm very serious about that. You are not a second class person. At the same time, make sure that you work within the ambit of the relationship that you're in to make sure that it works. Hagar's problem at this time, her son was going to die. She was going to die. And only God could step in and help. Well, let me ask you a question. Be reasonable with me now as you think about this. Who was the source of Hagar's problem? It wasn't Hagar. Abraham was the source of this woman's problem. Think about it. Many times, many of the problems that women face, men, we created for them. All right? We created for them. And as a man, I feel that I am a man. And I must be in charge. And whatever I want to do, I must do it. Because I'm a man. It can't be. It can't be. So, what are the lessons that we can learn here today from this story? The first lesson that I wanted to learn is this. Don't try to help out God. God does not need your help to do what he wants to do. He can do it without you. Never invent a plan. In with the expectation that your plan will substitute for God's plan. Throughout our lives, we encounter both triumph and tragedies. Victories and struggles. In all of them. God's grace is constant. As we will see. Through. The child God gives to Sarah. The comfort God gives to Abraham. The water God gives to Hagar. All these are part. Of God's projection. To help humanity in all ages. And so what we learn here is even when we create our own problem. And we are about to die because of our own problem. God can step in and make a difference. Do you believe that church? So, our burdens, the child of God, once you trust God and you decide that you're going to serve him, our burdens, and this is the second thing I wanted to learn, our burdens always give birth to our blessings. The third thing that we need to learn is this. If we are to make progress in life, then we must let go. Oh yes, you must, we must let go 
And we must let God. What we must do? Let go and let God work his plan and have his way. One of the concerns that I have always is that there are some people who always know what is best for you. Have you ever met those people? Yeah. The next thing I wanted to learn from this story here is that God is sensitive. God is what? God is sensitive to the plight of the outcast. To those who are marginalized are living on the fringes. God sees, God hears, and God helps. So God is not a passive participant. You need to get that. God is not a passive participant. He is an active energizing component that is very evident in our lives. Number five. The practical lesson to be learned from the history of Hagar have been fittingly summarized by Dr. James Crichton in his article on Agar. Yes, he says, the life and experience of Hagar teaches, among other truths, the temptations, the incident. To a new position, he says. The foolishness of hasty action in time of trial and difficulty. The care exercised over the, the lonely by the all-seeing God. The divine purpose in the life of everyone. However obscured and... Or friendly, or friendly. How God works out his gracious purpose. By seemingly harsh method. And the strength, comfort and encouragement. That accompanies the hardest experience of his children. Will always be the way God wants it to be. In other words, whatever you are going through today, remember now that God never slumbers and he never sleeps. I say to the church today, as a body of believers, there are, there are, there are three things here. That we need to incorporate in our lives as, a, as the family of God. Number one. It must be God first. Who is first? God first. So whatever it takes to obey God. Make him first in your life. Is that clear? Secondly. Take care of your family. Let nothing eclipse that. And even when you have children. That live contrary to the way you want them to live. Don't abandon them. Because one day. God can bring around these children. And these are the ones that might come to put a little water at your mouth when you're dying. The next thing is, in this church here, in this church here, 
where we come to worship and we live and we run shoulder to shoulder. For God's sake, let's take care of one another. Take care of one another. Don't denigrate anyone. Don't despise anyone. Don't discourage anyone. Because we are all equal before God. Do you hear what I say, church? So, begin with God. Stay close to your family. Love them. Some of them might be bad, you know. But they are yours. They are yours. And then when you come to the family of God, don't despise one another. So let me ask you a question. What are you doing to build up somebody who sits next door to, beside you in this church? Sabbath after Sabbath, you rub shoulder to shoulder. What are you doing? People should never come to church and when they leave and go home, they're sorry that they came. That should never be. And who is creating the problem? It's not somebody from over next door. Right here. In our congregation. Finally. Abraham made a terrible mistake. He and his wife should never decide to have that child to fix God's problem. Because God doesn't have problem. God fixes problem. And after they did it and found out that they did the wrong thing, they should never have abandoned this woman and her child. You know what's the result of it now? Let me tell you what's the result of it now. The result of what, of what Abraham and Sarah decided to do. And, and, and that Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. You have a universal problem. Today... You have the Muslims. They are the descendants of Ishmael. Right now, one of Mr. Trump's decisions is to remove the capital of Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount, there is the great Muslim mosque. Because when the Muslim invaded Jerusalem, they decided to build a mosque in Jerusalem. What it means here is that you hear this thing going on all the while that they're trying that there should be a uh, that there should be a two-state solution to solve the problem that uh, that the Israeli must have this their their uh, they must set up their own government and then the Jews must set up their own government. The Israeli and the Arabs. What it means here is that Ishmael and Isaac continue to fight. Fight, fight, fight. Ishmael and Isaac continue to fight. And that thing will remain until Jesus comes. Who created the problem? Who created it? Abraham created the problem. But God is so merciful. God is so loving. God is so kind 
that there is no problem that you can create that God will abandon you if you're willing to serve him. That's good news for me. That whatever happens in my life, that God can take control and I can be saved in his kingdom. My message to you today is simply this. Make sure that whatever you do, put you in good stead before your God. Help you to develop your family and take care of each one. And thirdly, make sure that you take responsibility for the church. Don't do anything to destroy the church of God. If you do that, you will be creating a situation from which you will never be discharged. So I say to you today, do you love Jesus? You know, are you sure you love Jesus? Take your eyes off other things and fix it on Jesus. Gentlemen, I'm going to invite Ali men here to stand today. Come, Brother Keys, please stand. All the men, please stand. As men in the church of God, one of your responsibilities in this church, even if you are not married, you must protect the ladies in this church. What are you, what are you supposed to do? Protect the what? The ladies in this church. Don't leave them out in the cold. But I don't mean that you must help yourself when you're protecting them. Protect the ladies. Make sure that they encourage them so they can achieve. Those who are struggling to go to school, encourage them so they go and get education. Help them out. Don't press them down. Ladies, please stand. Please stand. Sometime as men, we mean the best. Sometimes we don't really, really don't mean to do anything to hurt you. But it's in our nature. Even when we don't want to hurt, we hurt. Yes, it's in our nature. But ask God to control our nature. Yes. So, ladies, especially those of you who are married, work with your men. Encourage them. Even if you are not married in the church, make sure that you encourage somebody. As we move to the kingdom of God, let's go together. So what we want from here onward is a united church. What do we want? A united church. And we're going to go forward in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you, O God. For the way you care for us. Lord. We are all first class citizens. In your kingdom. And so Lord we pray today. That you will bless the men of this church. Help us O oh God. To be. Bold and strong. Ambitious. And gracious. But at the same time. Oh God help us to be tender. And kind. 
and caring. Lord, we want to thank you for the ladies of this church. We pray, O oh God, that you will continue to guide them, keep them, make them strong. Lord, I pray that they will continue to hold the standard high. Because the standard will never rise higher than where the ladies put it. I pray today that you will bless each of us as members of your church. That we will work together for the advancement of your cause as believers. United as we march to your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.